the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Um, Happy Hanukkah, by the way. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, come on. We're almost there. We're almost there. Are you all gifted out? Did you do all your shopping? I'm leaving that to my parents this year. Your parents? Yeah, you're, my parents. You're uh, outsourcing? Well, my parents- you could outsource Hanukkah. That's amazing. Yeah, they really, really want to. We haven't seen them. I mean, we're coming up to the end of December and it'll be a year since we saw them. So- they really want a way to reach out. And they're just like, this will be our gift to you. Let us buy gifts for the kids. So I said, fine, go for wow. it. I'm not gonna... And we don't do a lot of gifts, but like this is an exceptional year, I think for a lot of people. And so, yeah. Yeah, I've, I have this tradition with my kids, um, a gift a day. I like to do a gift a day and we do a little scavenger hunt. I'll hide it and then we'll play hot and cold. They're getting a little old for it, but I think that they, it's just one of those, one of those things. But then it's a lot of anxiety of making sure that I have eight. I don't usually have them all the nights of Hanukkah. So it's not eight presents, but uh, enough presents per child per night to have something. Does your ex do the same thing? Does he also give gifts? He does, he does gifts and, and his family is very into gifts. So his siblings will pull together and buy something really nice. I think one year they got a, foos ta a foosball table, you know, so they'll, they'll all buy something nice for each family for the kids. So they, they do get gifts and his, his parents get gifts. And my kids are very spoiled around this time of year. No complaining. I think everyone deserves it, especially, and again, I'll just say it this year, like I wrestle with it. I, I'm wrestling with all the TV time, all the screen time, the video game stuff. Um, and I'm wrestling with the gift stuff too, but it's also December, and, you know, during a pandemic, during a, what was like a really crappy year for everyone, I think. And it's just, it's the last couple of weeks of it. Like who wants it to go wrong any worse than it possibly could. So give them the yeah. gifts, give them the sugar. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how people will react to this, but, but I, an easy gift idea that I've used in the past few years when I need a filler are um, scratch off lottery cards because kids love them because because they're not for their age <laughs> they feel the, they feel yeah what's the threshold for when you start collecting on what they win like does it need to be over <laughs> so like if it's over five hundred dollars or if, it, if it's over fifty dollars <laughs> i'm taking it we've not gotten there last year i got for my kids and for my nephews and then my daughter won twenty dollars so i mean i think i spent way more but uh, <laughs> it was it it was fun for her she scratched off 20 bucks and so that's always a good filler. When I run out of ideas, I'll just go and grab some scratch off lottery cards. I tell you though, um, when I was going through my divorce, this time was a was a, a really difficult time because it was just really, it was like a reminder of how shitty divorce was. Last year. Uh, and even a little bit more of that. I mean, I was leaving my job and when I got divorced, it was just kind of a lot of more confusion. It was just even more confusion on top of that, you know? I was excited about leaving the job and finding something new, but I hadn't found anything just yet. And then the news of the divorce hit me and it was just like, what haven't I been looking at? What haven't I seen? So like there was this extra like ball of confusion that I was just dealing with. And it was also much more scary because it was like, wait a second, I don't have the job that I'm going to. And now I don't have a marriage that I'm coming home to. So like, where am I landing? And that was like, 
that was nuts. That was really nuts. So what did you do? It, it, in sticking with the theme of Hanukkah, that is the theme of finding the light in the darkness. And when we're yeah. experiencing such overwhelming darkness, whether personally or globally, how do you find that light? I don't know. I mean, I think I, it's probably very different for everyone. There's no question about it. I mean, you're right that like darkness is a good symbol to use. I was certainly feeling a lot of that. And I'm also, I think, a natural depressive. That's just kind of part of my personality. So you should love this holiday. <laughs> well, I, seasonal affective disorder is a really weird thing uh, with me. <laughs> it's a little comforting and, a, and just really bizarre, but it's, uh, I do enjoy this time of year. I do. I love, and I grew up in Connecticut. I'm from New England, you know? I mean, I'm used to the sounds of crunching leaves and snow and snow days and all that stuff. So I miss it. Um, and I miss the smells of it. And it's just a wonderful time. But it's also, I mean, it's because you want to spend time with people and you like the feeling of family. And that's one of the things that I also really remember is the warmth of family. And when you create that on your own, right, that's part of the cool thing about it is that it becomes self-sustaining. And when like that bottom drops out, you're like, fuck, I have no idea where I'm going to get that sustenance and that affection and that love. And, and, and that's like, well, because when all said and done, if you have that to go home to, then you're okay. Right? Yeah. Hanukkah is a hard, what I mean was, I'm already so many years out, but that for me was also a very hard transition holiday because it's so family tradition oriented and it is so hard to replicate on your own. Um, and for us, we were living in Israel. We had Hanukkah as my favorite holiday to begin with. I just love beautiful. the weather. It's so beautiful. So we lived in Nachlaot in the old city with um, these beautiful cobblestone streets. And on Hanukkah, they would do they these- the candles um, in the cracks of the, of the stones. Yeah, oh, it's so beautiful, but they would do these tours. It was almost like a yeah. ghost town tours yeah. where people from all over the country would come and walk through our area because it was just so beautiful. And there were these tour guides and we actually became a stop on the tour. We are a very musical family. We would set up our instruments outside. Uh, my son would bring a drum kit down. My ex played guitar. I played guitar. I do. I used to do music classes, so I had a ton of shakers. And we would just pass them out and just stand outside. And it was just not too freezing, but cold and beautiful. And you would look around, and everything was just all these menorahs were outside. So beautiful and such a, an amazing collective experience. And I can't do that. I can't do that in America. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do that on my own. Yeah. Maybe I can, maybe I'm selling myself short, but it, when you have such a positive experience, such a, such a, um, a monumental experience for me, it was, it just, it seems daunting to try and replicate it to me. It's like, well, I can't even try, you know, I think you have to let go of a lot. I mean, I grew up in a home where Shabbat was really special and really nice. My mother worked really hard. She put a lot of pressure on herself to make it look really nice. We didn't have to dress up, but it was always a tablecloth, a nice dishware, and there was a, a serious meal. And I remember feeling a sense of like, you can't have spaghetti and meatballs for Shabbos dinner. And you can't have pizza for Shabbos dinner either. And like, that's all we do here. <laughs> like, we're pizza Shabbos dinner every Friday if we can. Right? That's I, just I remember... The first time I told my parents we had lasagna, we had dairy on a Friday night meal, right. and they nearly had a heart attack. Right. It's, it's it's tantamount to pork. You're like you, it, that's just it's it's unacceptable. 
So like that's something certainly like letting go of certain standards and certain things that you don't need to really have there bearing down on you just to make life easier is certainly something I think you can do to like offer resilience to yourself during this time because there are going to be things that are like pressuring to you and you're going to want to like tighten ship in certain ways and you should like I think the flip side of this is that you need to know what boundaries you have to tighten up. And I think, I always think of like a rubber band when I think of boundaries, right? Like the tighter the rubber band, right? The tighter the boundaries, the farther you're gonna fly because there's gonna be fewer things that are like holding you back. I wonder if like part of the reason why divorce happens is because boundaries aren't met and boundaries aren't honored. And so like, I think having a rededication of those boundaries that are really important, like what you're gonna do about it are, are, are essential. And I think it's gonna take you really far but I think you also have to let go of those things that are like are false boundaries, like the Shabbat dinner needing to be really nice every week because it doesn't. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up at the end because I was going to counter with, I think some boundaries are too tight. Right. And I think that even within a relationship and a marriage, sometimes you have to loosen, let go and be a little bit more forgiving within those boundaries. Boundaries are highly connected to expectations. That's and right. when your expectations are too high, um, disappointment comes in a lot of disappointment that's yeah. right and that's a real tough lesson to learn setting your expectations in the right way so is that you're not constantly disappointed so how have you been able to do that no <laughs> not what at are all your, what's an expectation you well, have well, i mean no i do i did tighten up some boundaries in terms of like things i share right certainly things that i share with tamar right in terms of how i feel about things right? Thoughts mm -hmm. that I have, right? Controlling myself more so in that way. Um, certainly tightening my boundaries in terms of how I carried myself in front of the boys when the, you know, the first thing, the first news of the divorce hit me, it was very, very much a shocker. And so, you know, it was kind of dealing with it emotionally and not wanting to bleed all over and in front of the boys about it. And so it wasn't a matter of like stunting my emotions, but it was a matter of processing them and trying to process them. And, and then also, what does it express them right in the right venues for that <laughs> i mean like you're carrying it around with you and for me like i'm an emotional person right um and i find myself to be emotionally articulate um you know like there were reminders for me on a constant basis when we were going through the divorce i was still living at home for a considerable amount of time and like there'd be things that like like i'd be sitting there with the news thinking about it like when we tell them it's going to change their lives and that's a lot of information to have. Like I had a buddy who um, he, uh, he had a roommate in college and uh, on 9-11, he, my buddy was up early and heard the news of 9-11 and everything like that. It was distraught over it. And then went back to his dorm room and discovered that his roommate had like slept through the morning and knew nothing about it and woke up like mid afternoon. And his roommate was like, what's going on today? And he was like, how do I tell you this information that's going to change your life? And like, I was wandering around with that when it came to divorce for just a long time and thinking about that, you know, and having that stew within me, right. I needed to figure out a way that I was going to experience that, right. Cause there's no way not to experience it. Things just come up within you, but I needed to figure out a way to express that in healthy ways, right. That didn't allow me to bleed all over the boys about it and set them in a panic and get them to worry, right? There needed to be an appropriate time when we were going to tell them. So like mm -hmm. setting a boundary for myself in terms of like when I was going to process this stuff and how I was going to process it and what were the vessels that I was going to process it in was actually really important. What did you come up with? 
uh, I actually came up with uh, a second thing to offer resilience in that way, which is to find an ally of some kind. We so need resilience to have one is ally. different than boundaries. Those are, that's different. No, but mom, what I'm suggesting is that boundaries get you to resilience, right? A strategy for resilience is setting boundaries. Resilience is about bouncing back. That's what it is, right? Okay. And again, even though I agree with you about letting go of certain things, right? And not having those pressures, the tightening up of other things and setting boundaries, right? Is like a tight rubber band that will allow you to be more resilient. Because again, the tighter the rubber band, the further it snaps and the better okay. it bounces. So for you, boundaries are a strategy to oh, help yeah. you be more resilient. Yeah, it's one strategy, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. One strategy. So, and that led me to the second strategy, which is to have a friend, to have an ally. Absolutely. You need to have at least one other than your lawyer. <laughs> if you feel like your lawyer is your ally, you're in a good place. <laughs> well, I, I think like you should lawyer. think your lawyer is your ally, but it can't be your only ally because it's also one that you pay. Uh, it's like I used to call my therapist, my most expensive friend. Like you're my most expensive friend. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Although my therapist challenges me a lot. <laughs> Which is, is also- That's good. a good friend. That is a good friend, I'm not gonna lie, but I, you know, sometimes I just wanted to be like, you're right, <laughs> you're right. It really is shitty. And it's funny, cause I've spoken to people whose therapists are too validating and they're like, I don't wanna be validated all the time. You know, so there's, there's that balance. There. No, I know it's working when I feel irritated by her. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Sure, but you need to you have a, the magic is really happening. That's right. Because <laughs> I think, look, if if your divorce isn't mutual from the beginning, like if there's no one point where you're both sitting down over a cup of coffee and you're both like, let's say what's on our mind after the count of three at the same time. And if you both say, let's get divorced, right, then it's mutual from the beginning. Right? Also, for those listening, if you have experienced that, please reach out. We would love <laughs> that's to, a miss, to, that's a miracle. to interview you. <laughs> right. We would love to interview you. Uh, but yeah, it's because it, sides are drawn and you need to have someone, at least one person in your corner. You need to have someone who's going to validate you and someone who's going to tell you that you're not crazy about things and someone who's going to take everything that you have coming. So your tips so far are set proper boundaries or be aware of your boundaries, know where to tighten them and where to loosen them. Yes. And yes. Uh, have a ally that's yes. not necessarily completely validating you, but that knows how to challenge you as well. Well, but, and will also accept you, right? Without judgment or know that what you're going through is a really challenging and life-changing event. And so you're gonna need room to process that, yeah. How about you? What do you have? My tips for resiliency? Yeah. Okay. My tips for resiliency, and, and I think it's an excellent topic and I do think it's thematic in the theme of Hanukkah of hitting a dark moment in life and then um, bouncing back, right? That's what happened is, is the bounce back. And that couldn't be more appropriate to divorce of hitting, hitting, hitting rock bottom to some degree and figuring out how to bounce back because there's always an opportunity in every moment, especially in divorce to recreate and come back even better, you know, come back kid. Right. And resiliency is the key to that. How, how can we be consistently resilient and life is always going to throw us curveballs. So, and so I've been thinking about resiliency for a long time, both personally and professionally. I've got three tips for you. <laughs> My three tips for resiliency. One is I think it's really important to 
um, investigate your perspective of failure, especially yeah. after divorce. What does it mean to fail? What does it mean about you when you fail? Uh, does it have to be this all-encompassing negative experience or changing the way you view things to more of a challenge? I think that's helped me personally to almost gamify life. Of uh, you know, it's the Mary uh, Mario Brothers. What was like Nintendo when like he would like fall and I don't know. <laughs> When he dies, and he I haven't played Nintendo life. in so long. But yeah, there's we're always gonna hit those moments. We're always gonna die in some in some regard. There's always parts of us that are not succeeding, and and that's the game of it. Is okay, that's not working. What can I do differently? So you know what, divorce didn't work. What can I do differently? And that to me is, is a really key part of resiliency is figuring out what went wrong and don't getting don't get sucked into the experience of the failure. Rather, use it as a launching ground for for change. I like that launching ground that's, in the face of resilience. Nice. That's tip number one. Tip number two is cultivate a sense of hope. We need to look forward, look towards the future. It is important to look back to see what went wrong and what you can do better, but not to dwell in the experience. So what can you look forward to that can just, it is hard to get out of bed sometimes, right? I mean, I've been there when things are so overwhelming, so stressful, they seem like there's no end in sight and just really hopeless, what experience, what moment of hope can you attach yourself to? What can you look forward to? Even if it's small, even if it's, I don't even know, like something so tiny. Uh, I mean, today it's Florida and it's cold outside and I love the cold. So something like that, like get out of bed and there'll be frost in the air. That's exciting for me. Um, or even something bigger. So cultivate a sense of hope. So you have something to look forward to. And the third one is I found really helpful is create a metaphor for your life through through movement. Um, that leads yeah. into my third as well. But okay. Oh, go. awesome! Go. So I I'm I'm very active. I do yoga and exercise, and I'm constantly thinking, pushing myself a little bit farther, and making that a metaphor for my for my greater existence. So I can stay in this position a little bit longer. It is hard. I know I can do hard things. And because your body is a metaphor, your body is, is the way that you experience life. So when you are actually physically manifesting that experience, it translates to the larger experience of life. I have seen it firsthand. I promise it works and it's doable, it's tangible. Go pick up a weight and push yourself a little bit longer than you're comfortable. And you'll see that it, and then, and then tell yourself, I can do hard things because you can. I, you hit the nail on the head for me. I mean, my third, I, my third option here is music mm -hmm. and exercise. And the sub note to it is do something about the feedback loop. Like when I was getting divorced, there was a lot of kind of stuff in there about self-worth and value and like, what have I messed up with? And what have I brought to the table? And this is all me and all that stuff. And it's never all that stuff. I mean, like you could really do yourself in your brain has got to be your own worst enemy. There's no question about it. And you need to have something that's going to break the feedback loop and the cognitive distortions that are just rolling around in there, like billiard balls, just banging into things. And uh, so for me, music and exercise was really helpful. Uh, not only just to break out of that feedback loop, but like when you're going through divorce, you also, you know, that ray of hope could be the dating scene. And like, you could really prepare yourself for something good if you get yourself in shape. You got to be dating fit. It can also be the opposite. It can also be um, the 
where you get your most uh, feeling of helplessness. There's no question about it, but I, but you're right in terms of I can get through this physically, right? Pulling yourself through it physically helps you, I think, kind of feel that way spiritually and remind yourself mentally, like it really is. There's an exercise of going through it. That's what we do in my men's groups. There's, you know, particularly when we're in person now during COVID is very difficult, but that we do a lot of physical exercises in that way because doing it physically reminds you that you can actually do it. You forget that sometimes because you're sitting in front of your computer and you're like, this is the only thing I really can do. I know how to type on the computer. At least that's what your brain tells yourself and, and your body forgets. But you know, going for that run or lifting those weights can be really symbolic for your soul in that way. So like, and the playlist is really essential. You gotta have a good playlist. Did you what's have any your, really what's good your songs? favorite song? I knew you were going to ask this. So I have my playlist okay. with me. There's a couple. So this, I mean, this I got is a, a lot. song that just gets you moving. This is your heart pumping song. Oh, you got to uh, There's a great song by Run the Jewels uh, called Get It. It's it's just unbelievable. I don't know how much of uh, songs you can play here without getting sued. So I'm not. So I'm just going to say the. Well, we can put it in our show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. We'll attach a divorce getting divorced playlist. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about that, by the way, because I think I, I, part of the reason I think music helps is, a, again, to disrupt that feedback loop, but that can also be dangerous. Like, I like sad songs, but, and like the problem is you listen to enough sad songs, you could work yourself into a real stupor. Yeah, music is incredibly evocative and our emotions are highly influenceable. So you can manipulate the way you feel by the things you do. And it's a tool like any other tool, right? Yeah. Alcohol can be used kind of to just numb the experience or take the edge off of something. And it can also be used to completely drown your sorrows and escape reality. That's right. The music, it's odd to think of music in that regard, but it is dangerous in a way where it can suck you deeper into, into a black space. You gotta or it be can careful. uplift you. Oh. And like, there are some really good breakup songs in there in the library. Oh man. I got a whole bunch. But sometimes it's good to, to go to that place where it, it is, it's also a way to validate your experience. Like somebody gets it. It's There's just- no question. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody so you're a headbanging song. So what's, what's it called? Get it? Is that- Get that's it. Your, that's your uplifting song. Well, look, no, I, you want to hear the uplifting ones? I'll, I'll hear the uplifting one. one. What's your top, your top one? Uh, my top, oh man. Um, well, I think uh, Ride and Solo by Jason Derulo is really good, actually. Because it's just, you know, like getting out, he's getting over a breakup and heartache and he's just like, I'm moving on, right? And it's Ride and Solo. It's a good one. It's fun. Nice. And it's really good if you're taking a spin class too. For all my friends doing Peloton out there, put Ride and Solo by Jason Derulo. No, Peloton, they, it's a class. Most people who are using Peloton have, it's a class. They give you the music. Well, I realize that, but I'm telling you, if your instructor isn't using Ride and Solo by Jason Derulo, you need to be listening to it. And Jason Derulo, if you're listening out there, and I hope you are, buddy, not For that sure you have is. a reason, <laughs> but if you do know that this rabbi enjoys your music. Oh, okay. I'm sure he'll get the message. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, that's a good recommendation. Stronger by Kanye West is good. Maybe maybe you'll give us your playlist now and we'll put your your put, your divorce recovery headbanging playlist up on in the show notes. And I'll put the sad sack lying in a corner playlist as well for other people. Okay. It's a choose your own adventure type of That's music exactly experience. right. I'll post the playlists to the uh, Instagram and Facebook feed. That's a great idea. Thank you.
Did we exhaust this? Is there anything else we need to add? I think that's it. Other than um, what's your favorite Hanukkah food? Do you have a special way to eat donuts? Do you rip them apart, uh, stand on your head when you eat them? Is there, this is a follow-up conversation. There, from the is there a correct way to eat a donut <laughs> that, that the general public is currently unaware of? A, cor a correct way to eat a sufganiya, I think is what you're trying to say for Hanukkah. So yes, the, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, I never actually thought of it. I'm not a big sufganiya eater, to be honest with you. I'm more of a latke guy. Interesting. Are you generally not a sweet sugary person? No, I like it. I just, uh, it, you know, yeah. I, I just, yeah, jelly donuts don't do it for me. I know, but there's other type of donuts. There's glazed donuts. There's Yeah, but you don't necessarily have glazed donuts. You're supposed to have jelly donuts during this time. No, it's oil-based. So you can have any donut because they're fried. Um, oh, man. The other day, my buddy and I went to this great donut shop here in Pasadena. I can't even remember the name, but it was like, they essentially made an everything bagel version of a donut. And it was, it was like a glazed donut in which they already had powdered sugar. And then they took like all the other delicious donuts they had and put them in a grinder and ground them all up and then sprinkled that on top of the donut. It was literally like an everything bagel donut. It sounds it a little really excessive. Good. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Well, you're still alive. <laughs> so that's <laughs> good news. What's your favorite donut? Ooh, I mean, I, I am generally try and stay away from that kind of stuff. So I can't, my marker for, for healthy or not healthy is can I resist it or not, right? There are certain foods that if I walk into the kitchen and it's sitting there, can I resist it? I can resist a donut. I can resist candy. Um, you know, it's harder for me to resist cake if there's chocolate cake or something like that. So I, I can resist a donut, but um, I don't know, like a glazed donut with sprinkles. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big donut person either. That's, don't that's leave out. If I see a French cruller, they're just so amazing. They're so light and fluffy. Ugh. If I see I, a French I, cruller, leave the room. If I, <laughs> if I, if I see, if I see a, a Reese's peanut butter cup, it's over. It's done. No, I can resist it. Done. I can resist chocolate. I don't know. There's just I can do it. I've, I've gone through various health kicks in my life. And I have to admit, there have been many a Hanukkah where I have made raw vegan donuts, which my kid don't let me live. Down. Like, you can't see Noam's face, but he's reacting. Utter disgust. Actually, I'm, I've, I'm, I've actually perfected it. They taste. <laughs> <The>, uh. <laughs> which completely defeats the purpose. You're not the supposed point to give the them the feeling of destruction of the temple. You're supposed <laughs> yeah. to give them the feeling of resiliency and rededication. I'm trying to, the to create the full bodied experience. That's you can't gross. just start at the end. You gotta, you gotta have the whole, the whole thing. I'd rather have spaghetti I, and meatballs. I don't think there. there's time this year for raw vegan donuts, but Ugh. they did, they did happen at some point in my past. Maybe that's one tradition my kids are happy that I've let go of. I'm heaving now. That was gross. I'm going to send you a raw vegan donut. Don't do that. And then I'm going to take all the other raw vegan donuts and crumble it up and put it on top of that raw vegan donut. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you have wonderful note. ideas for ways to stay resilient during Hanukkah or ways to stay resilient during divorce, whether you're- Or share us your playlist songs, your, your, yes. um, your uplifting- music that you've used to strategies for resilience in divorce and playlists for yes divorce. you can you can send us oh we're all over the place now we're on social media on instagram on facebook 
the Jewish Divorce Project, our website, thejewishdivorceproject.com, thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. And on our website, you can find more information about Noam and myself, where you can contact us and the kind of work that we are doing individually. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you can, please send Noam a raw vegan donut this Hanukkah. Do not do it. No, 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 <laughs> no. 2020 has been bad enough as it is. <laughs> Just let's end it off on a bang. That's right. Send us your pictures of what it looks like to eat a vegan raw donut. That's okay. gross. Oh, okay, let's do that. Happy, Happy Hanukkah, Hanukkah, everyone. Mm -hmm.